Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Thursday morning, very early, I was having my quiet time, and I get a text. And, of course, normally I don't get texts that early in the morning, and it was from my friend, uh, Ray Montoya. Pastor Ray, he spoke here one time, and he pastors the church in Calvary in Albuquerque, Albuquerque Southwest. And on the text, he told me that his mom had just went to be with the Lord. She had just passed away. I had been praying for Pastor Ray. I've been praying for the family. You see, his mother was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer just about three weeks earlier. And so the text came in and said, you know, thank you for your prayers. My mom just went to be with Jesus. No more than likely, Ray's mom had probably not been feeling good up to up into that point, right? But nonetheless, the text, you could read it. I mean, you go, well, there's no emotion behind text. Well, I could feel that my my friend's heart was broken. And you go, why? I mean, I know why, but why why would you say that? Because, Because someone he loved very much, he knew was no longer here physically. And I sat there and I was just looking at the text and how am I going to respond? What am I going to say? What do you say in those situations, right? When, when a person you love very, very much leaves and goes on to be with the Lord, what do you say? I, and I thought about it but, it, but it also got me thinking. And you say, what? What, is, what, what? what are you talking about? Well, it got me thinking, guys, that if, if we're going to live in this world, that we often have to accept the, current, the terms and conditions of living in this world. And now, I don't like them, but we have to accept them. You go, what's that? The terms and conditions of living in this world is that that people we'd love very, very much will someday say goodbye. Or, or on the other hand, someday you're going to say goodbye to those that you love. You go, well, pastor, that's my dream. That's my hope. My hope is that when I go to be with Jesus, I'm going to be old man, and I'm going to be laying there in my bed, and I'm going to be surrounded with all my family, and I'm going to be bless each one. <sighs> but sometimes that doesn't happen, does it? Because we have to accept the terms and conditions of this world. You go, but what's the point? Can I give you a nugget of truth real quick right early on in my intro? Guys, love the people that you are with. Tell them you love them every single day because you just don't know. And you go, ah, she knows. (laughs) She knows. No, I love you. I love you. I love you. Because you might not have a chance to say goodbye like we all hope. Now, the good news is that is that Ray, guys, is going to see his mom again, okay? She went, to, she went to heaven to be with Jesus, but the journey that Ray is on is going to reunite them one day. See, that's the hope we have. You see, it's a promise to all those who believe. Now, when I was printing out my notes, I started thinking, believe. See, we use that word really, really simple, don't we? I believe. Do you believe? I believe. But, but we understand the word that John employs, and it's much, much more than I believe the sun will come out tomorrow. It's more of, listen, I am putting my faith in stress. I am rooted. I am grounded. My foundation is in Jesus. There is no other. I have the confidence that when I close my eyes, I'm going to be with Jesus. Now, here's the promise, right? The promise is for those who believe, and this is what Jesus told us. If you recall last week in John chapter 10, 
verses 27 through 30, Jesus says this, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me, Jesus said. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. Now, that's a promise that Jesus gives us, right? He's going to give us eternal life and we'll never perish. But you go, Ben, 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 Ben. But, but Ray's mom just passed. She, she, per- no, 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 no. Her body perished. She's, she's alive. She's never been more alive than she is right now based on the promise of what Jesus says, right? And he says, and no one can snatch them away from me. Don't you just love that? Don't you love the fact that as you walk through this life, you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you surrendered, no matter what mistakes you make, nobody's going to try to snatch you and take you away from being in the hands of the Lord. I think parents know this with their young, with their young ones, right? You have a little one, and the first thing you go, don't let them out of my sight. I don't care if they're, I want my baby with me. Why? Because nobody's going to take them out of your hands. The nurse go, who's that? What are you, you know, I mean, we just do that. And then as they get older, you don't let them go anywhere. Stay by me. Stay right here. Hold on. Right? You teach them the dangers of what? The, the, the street. You teach them the dangers of strangers. I mean, you teach them all of that, but they're right next to you because you want them, because you say, nobody's going to take them and snatch them out of my hand. That's, that's good news for us. That's what Jesus says. For my Father has given them to me. He is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. And he says, I and the Father are one. That's a great promise. Another promise is John, 1 John chapter 2, 24 and 25. It says, therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If which you heard from the beginning abides in you, you will also abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. Eternal life. And you go, okay, pastor, why are you sharing this? Well, here's my point, guys. The reason I wanted to share this story with you is to remind you that in this life, you're going to have storms. You're going to have storms, right? And these storms are going to affect you And not only are they going to affect you, they're going to affect all those around you. Like the ripples, guys, on the shore of your life, it's going to, again, continually and continually affect. Now, the next few weeks, we are going to talk about this particular storm in John chapter 11, okay? But we're going to see how it affects all those around. Now, if you're taking notes, here's what I want you to jot down. John chapter 11 has to do with the st- how storms affect us, how storms affect our lives, and how the storms affect those around us. John chapter 11, guys, is a great story. It's a story of Mary. It's a story of Martha. And it's the resurrection of a fella named Lazarus. You guys know Lazarus? You go, yeah, I think I've heard of Lazarus. Lazarus actually comes from the Greek Eleazar, which means God is my help. And we'll call him Lazarus. Now you go, well, Ben, I'm confused. I thought there was a Lazarus in Luke 16. And is this the same Lazarus? No. Jesus told a parable in Luke 16 about a beggar named Lazarus. It was the rich man and the beggar. Okay, this is not the same fella. When I was first, when I first got saved, I'm thinking, Lazarus, who, what kind of name is that? And I thought it was the same guy. No, the beggar Lazarus is what Jesus tells. Now, this is a brother, right? named Lazarus. They all, we all can have the same name. Ain't that right, Joshua? 
That's right. So Josh there, we have a Josh. We understand that. We understand that. So keep that in mind. Not the beggar in Luke 16. This is a brother, a beloved brother of Mary and Martha and where they lived. You go, where did they live? Well, they come from a small town in Bethany. In Bethany, and you go, Pastor, I've heard of Bethany, but where is it? Well, Bethany is very interesting, okay? When you go with us to Israel and we get to the top of the Mount of Olives, you'll be able to see in the Mount of Olives, you'll be looking down at Jerusalem. You'll see the Eastern Gate. If you were to go a little to the east, about a couple of miles, that would be Bethany. Bethany, as the the Mount of Olives slopes back down, it's going to be about two miles a little bit to the east. It's just a small town. I was trying to think of the equivalent, and I was thinking, okay, maybe... Maybe Slayton, it's a little closer than Slayton, obviously, but, you know, maybe shallow water, that's what it'd be. You know, Mary and Martha's from shallow water, just a few miles um, north. Is that north? Yeah, a little bit of north. So that's what it would be. Now, as we make our way through John chapter 11, let me set the stage, okay, by giving you the people that Lazarus' death will affect. If you were to go out to a lake and you took a stone, and, and a fairly big stone, and you threw it, you realize that the first is going to affect, and then there's ripple and ripple and ripple and ripple and ripple. We like to do that. We like to see that. Now, a lot of times we don't pay a whole lot of attention anymore, but we used to be, we used to be just enthralled by the ripples. Well, when you do that, it, you understand that the farther and the farther and the farther and farther it gets, right? This effect, if you're taking note, is the glory of God. Jesus tells us that in the chapter. He's going to say, oh, no, Lazarus is not dead. He's asleep, but, but, but for the glory of God, okay? So, so the ripple is going to be what? The glory of God, the glory of God, the glory of God as it continues to move out and out and out and out and out, right? So its effect, the glory of God went far beyond Lazarus to his family and his household. It actually went to heaven itself. You go, how so? Here, guys, jot this down, okay? So important. You go, Ben, why do you always tell us to take notes? Because, guys, we don't remember a whole lot, okay? But when we go back to our notes, the key things that speak to you go, oh, okay, okay, I get it. So what are you saying? Well, there are different groups of people the glory of God will affect. Who are they? Now, for the sake of our time, guys, we're not going to cover all the verses, all 57 verses. We'll do that in the weeks to come. But let me kind of just go over them, and then we'll, and then, and then we're only going to cover three, a little bit of three today. Okay, who who does the glory of God affect? Number one, Lazarus himself. Lazarus himself has to be right, right? All because he's the one dying, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Number two, it's going to affect his sisters, Mary and Martha. Okay, that would be the second ripple when the water go, when the stone goes in the water. That would be Mary and Martha. The third, guys, is going to be Jesus's disciples. Okay? Although they weren't really connected, if you will, in, in a family sense, they're still going to be affected. The glory of God is going to affect them. Number four, we're going to see the family friends. The family friends, right? When someone dies, guess what happened? Family and friends come over. They want to offer their condolences. And we're going to see how the glory of God is going to affect that. Then we're also going to see how the glory of God af- affects the acquaintances, acquaintances. They may not be close family or friends, but, you know, they want to offer condolences. They're the kinds that come over and say, what can I do to help? Let me bring chairs. What can I do? And then there's a group here that you're going, really? How is the glory of God? It's the glory of God is the, what I call them curiosity seekers. Curiosity seekers. They're the ones that are going to come to the grave, to the funeral, 
and just be looking on, right? Why? Because Jesus drew a crowd wherever he went. And then the seventh one is going to be Jesus himself. Jesus himself. Okay? Now listen. Here's what I want you to think about, okay? I want you to put on your thinking caps. Our enemy has a toolbox he uses against God's people. You go, what's that? Well, some of his tools, if we can be honest in church, is depression. Is depression. A lot of us, man, we, we struggle with that. We don't like to tell anybody because, man, what? You're supposed to be a crazy. You're supposed to be happy and joyful every day. Oh, what? And, and, and the devil uses that too, but he also uses what? Discouragement. Discouragement. Another tool that devil uses is quitting. He uses hatred. He uses bitterness. Fear is a big one. And loneliness. These are in his toolbox. Now, some might say, well, pastor, storms, trials, and troubles are in his toolbox as well. So not only do we have to worry about fear and depression and anxiety and bitterness and hatred, there's those storms and the trials. And not only are there storms and trials, but there's what? There's, there's troubles. But here's what I love about God, guys, and you need to get this in your heart. God often uses the enemy's tools against him. We often pray, and you know it, God, please take this away. Please exempt me from the storms. I don't want to be in the fiery furnace. Please, no trials, no temptations. But here's what I love about God. God knows when to calm the storm, but he also knows when to allow the storms to rage high. And if God doesn't calm the storm, he'll calm the believer during the storm. You hear me? There are times when it's like the storm is raging high, but you're as cool as a cucumber, man. You're calm. Why? That's what God does. Now, listen to what I say. Listen to this quote. Life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% your attitude and what happens in you during the seasons of testing. Life is 10%. True confession, I really wish I had that down to an art. I still allow what happens to me to affect me in, in my attitudes, and, 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 and I don't want that. I want to go, okay, I can't control what life throws at me, but I want to control my attitude in that, in that. Right, 10%, 90%, okay, God, what are you doing? 90%, God, what do you want to do? So we understand that there's going to be storms in our life. As we approach John chapter 11, guys, we've come through the seventh sign, miracle sign, if you will. The seventh before his final crucifixion. You go, what were they? Let me just remind you real quick. Remember when Jesus turned water into wine there at Cana? That was a huge miracle. Then in chapter 4, he had the healing of the nobleman's son. Okay, that was very emotional. That was very emotional. There was a lot of belief. Now, I don't have time to get into it, but the third one was the man at the pool of Bethesda. Do you guys remember that? No one puts me in. And Jesus says, do you want to be made well? And of course, he's, he's ho-humming around with Jesus. And Jesus says, pick up, your bed, pick up your bed and walk. Now, it was the Sabbath, and so everybody's tripping, okay? They're freaking out. Well, 
the Sabbath. You're not supposed to break the law on the Sabbath. And then the fourth one, the feeding of the 5,000. That was 5,000 men, right? But we didn't, he didn't count for them in children. That's a lot of people. You go, well, yeah, anybody can feed 5,000 people. No, he fed them with a sack lunch. Here's what I love. Here's what I love about Jesus, guys. He took the bread and the fish. He took it. He blessed it. He broke it. And people ate. And I think, man, sometimes I, sometimes I feel like that bread, don't you? He's going to take me from where I was. He's going to bless me. There's times I feel like, man, I'm in the blessings. I'm in. But then all of a sudden he breaks me because he wants to use me for far greater things. And then he sends me out. Now, the blessing stage, every one of us dance around, don't we? The broken stage, ain't nobody dancing on the broken stage. Oh, why are you broke again? I can't believe this. God's like, look, the storms are raging high in your life, but you're going to be calm in it because I want to show you and I want to grow you. And you guys with me? You got it? Then we saw the walking of the water, right? And then the sixth one in John chapter 9 was the healing of the blind men, right? You remember that whole dialogue with the blind men? So this is the seventh. Now, Each of those miracles that Christ did, guys, none of them are a miracle in and of themselves, but each one preaches its own sermon. Each one is meant to illustrate something. So each miracle is the stage for a measure of truth that John is going to illustrate. What was the whole point? He is God. He is God. This is the last one, okay? John chapter 11, we should go, he is God. He is God. I get it. I get it. So let's look at that story. 16 verses, picking it up in John chapter 11. I've set the stage. Now it says this in verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany. Lazarus from the word, right? Eleazar, I mean, God is my help. He's from the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Now, the first person we see affected by this sickness and death is Lazarus. Lazarus. Listen, we don't take a whole lot of thought in Lazarus because we know the story, right? The spoiler alert, the story is what? He is risen. He's going to be, he's not going to die. It's not unto death. So we don't pay much attention, but I want you to stop for a moment. Lazarus doesn't know the story. Lazarus wasn't reading the Bible going, hey, that's me. (laughs) I'm only going to be dead for four days. He doesn't know anything. Think about it, guys. Think about it, right? When a man comes to a place where he's going to die, it has a profound effect on him. When a man or a woman, it doesn't matter, comes to a place where he's going to die, guys, it affects you. You go, what do you mean? Well, there's so many things that go through your head. There's so many things. What's the, what's the one thing that should go, that goes through your head? Oh man, I'm dying. This is my last few breaths. I should have worked more. That's not anybody ever thinks that. Am I right? I should have spent more time at the office. They're, they're saying, here's what they're saying. How's my family going to react? Are my, is my, my kids going to be taken care of? Can we be honest? There's a lot of people that, 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 that even just question their, their walk with God. Not, not in a weird way, but, but they question, Lord, I'm just, 
forgive me. I'm sorry. Is there anything that I never... I, and, and, and I saw that pretty profoundly. Pretty profoundly, guys. Lazarus, all he knew was what? Guys, all he knew was that he was sick and he wasn't getting better. pastor friend of mine at Calvary Chapel, Tucson, lost his wife to cancer many years back. And part of his testimony when we had went to the conference and he had talked about it was even, even this pastor's wife at times during, during her battle in the final few days would, would just ask for reassurance about heaven. And I think that's every one of us if we're on. No, man, when I die, I'm just going to be like, yay, Jesus. But I think every one of us go, go, God, am, am, am I okay? Are we okay, God? Is there anything hidden in my heart? And we have to understand the cross and how the, what, what, what the price was paid. You see, when it comes to death, right, Lazarus, it's a step that we all take alone. You see, we go through life, we go through life, you know, with partners, we go through life with spouses, we go through life with relationships with our parents and our kids, but there's, but when it comes to death, it's a step that we all take alone, right? It really is an appointment we have with what, really, the great unknown. That's why we're so fixated on YouTube videos of somebody who died, went to heaven and came back. We want to know, we want to know, was there really a heaven? Did you, die? Did you really die? Did he die? I don't know, he said he died. The doctor declared him dead. I remember going, I saw this bright light and we're fixated with that because it's a, it's a step with what? It's the great unknown. We also know what the Bible says that we're like a vapor. Our lives are like a vapor just waiting to pass, right? The thing about it is that there has been one who has been there and still lives to tell. There is one who's been moaned to heaven and what we call Hades, which is, which is Abraham's bosom. Okay? We know that he's experienced it so that we have hope. You want to know what's about it? Just, just, just read his word. Okay. I trust you, Lord. Yet in our story, guys, this affected Lazarus in a profound way. Okay, from leaving this earth to worrying about his sisters to the afterlife. He is, this is affected, right? This is the first ripple, right? Now, think about Lazarus for just a moment. Here's what I want you to understand, okay? You, you've all heard the story. I'm going to give you a spoiler alert, okay? Um, he is resurrected, not simply resuscitated. You go, what do you mean? When Jesus comes, and we'll get to it in a few weeks, when Jesus comes and he says, roll away the stone, his sister goes, uh, Jesus, he's been dead four days. Uh-uh. The old King James says, he stinketh. Okay? That's what bodies do. They start to decompose. He's like, don't open that. Don't open that. Why is that important? Why is four days important? Here's why. In every other miracle, when Jesus raised somebody from the dead, they had just died. And I'm sure there was a skeptic with their hands crossed going, I don't think they were really dead. I think Jesus just resuscitated him. I think Jesus just, you know, you know how we would do a mouth-to-mouth and just you had somebody who died and you, and then, oh, oh, that sort of thing. So people could see, guys, he had been gone four days. It wasn't, now listen, it wasn't a resuscitation. It was a resurrection. It was a resurrection, Okay. Now, check this out. When Lazarus comes out of the grave, 
okay? The Bible says he's going to be in grave clothes, bound in grave clothes, okay? He comes out, right? The Bible says that he doesn't say a word. He's not like, you won't believe where I've been. Are you kidding me? I saw Moses. I saw Gideon. Oh, my goodness. It was so cool. Ruth was there. You know, I saw Delilah. Okay, maybe Delilah wasn't there. She was on the bad team. But nonetheless, like, he did, she doesn't say anything. Now, here's the point, right? Here's the point. He doesn't say a word. And the Bible says that uh, many people believed in Jesus because of him, because they saw Lazarus. They go, that dude was dead, right? Some people were going, I see dead people, right? Because he was dead and now he's alive and they're just... Some of you aren't getting this, man. It's too early for you on a... Anyway, here's the point. Here's the point. You guys ready? Lazarus was a living witness to the power of God. Let me say that again, okay? Write this down because I'm going to check you for notes later. Lazarus was a a living witness to the power of God, but here's what I want you to say. So are you. You go, what do you mean? Guys, the Bible tells us in Ephesians that every one of us was dead in trespasses and sins. We were once dead. You you know that, right? Pastor, you don't have to tell me. I call them my B.C. days before Christ. Oh, I was dead, 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 dead. I had no spiritual anything in me. Then I was born again. And what's happening now, guys, is you are living witnesses to the same power of God. Why? Because people go, what's wrong with you? I gave my life to Jesus. Yeah, but what happened? You 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 want to go out Friday night? <laughs> no, no, I don't want that's that stuff's not for me. That there's no satisfaction in that. I gave my life to Jesus, man. You don't understand. I've got joy, man. I'm just I don't know. I'm smiling all the time. I'm. It's just crazy. That's that's resurrection power. They can't attest that. They go. They look at you and go, I don't get it. You used to be here, now you're here. How does that happen? I wasn't resuscitated, I was resurrected. You see, I wasn't just brought back to life. I was dead, and now I'm alive. That's what happens to us spiritually. Do you guys get that? That's when Paul says that you have resurrection power. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives inside you. Do you get it? That's why you're going, man, that's awesome. That's how you can be a light in the world. That's how you can be a light in the world, okay? So, Lazarus, great illustration of who we are spiritually. Here's the difference. You ready? Lazarus is going to die again. We don't know where, we don't know when, but we know he's going to die again, right? Because you go, why? Because he's not here. Wouldn't that be trippy if he was in Israel? Man, when Jesus resurrected you, you're like 2,500 years old. I mean, whatever it might be, you know. Okay, about 2,000. But nonetheless, he's like, come on, you're just like, you're old, dude. But he's not, he's dead, right? Now, us, because when you're truly born again, you don't die again. Your body dies. Who's the second group? Well, you go, okay, well, the first ripple is Lazarus. The second group would have to be his sisters, right? Mary and Martha. First off, think about this, guys. This was their only brother. Death is a hard process for them. Death is a hard process for any of us. We truly don't understand it. We have to accept the terms and conditions, but we don't have to like it. But think how awesome both Mary and Martha have grown in Jesus. You go, what do you mean? 
Guys, before Lazarus' death, do you guys remember? Jesus would often come. This was his home away from home, okay? His headquarters was in Capernaum, but when he came to Jerusalem, he stayed at Mary and Martha's. They would, they would make him lunch. That, that's kind of where he hung out, right? One time, Jesus and his posse said, hey, let's go. Let's go to Lazarus and Mary and Martha before we go in there, right? So here comes the disciples. You and I are with them. Right? Do you guys remember the story? Mary, Jesus comes in and starts giving a Bible study. Mary, right, is at the feet of Jesus. Martha is freaking out. Okay? She is like throwing pots and pens in the kitchen. None of you girls have ever done that because you're way more dignified than Martha. But she's throwing pots. Flour is coming out, right? All you see are these puff of flowers coming out the door and, 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 and everyone, and we're just kind of going, man, what's going on there? And, and you hear, and, and occasion you hear a, right? And then she'll, and she'll look out, <sighs> right? Ching, ching, right? What's going on? She's tripping because, because she, she even rebukes Jesus. Jesus, tell my sister that she needs to help serve all of these people. I mean, how are they all going to eat? Do you think I can do it all myself? <laughs> what did Jesus say? Martha, calm down. You need to grow in this, Martha. It's wonderful to serve, but you're making serving an idol. And what you need to do is you need to sit and hear at my feet. Mary's grown so much. Mary's grown so much, right? So now their brother's sick. And then we come to verse 3. Look. Therefore, the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Do you guys see that? You need to see that. This is going to be key, Okay. I want to draw your, your, your attention to this verse. You go, why? I want to read it again. The sisters go, call Jesus. Go tell Jesus. Tell Jesus, right? And what do they say? Jesus, here's, the, here's, here's their text message, if you will. Lord, he whom you love is sick. You go, Ben, what's, what's, what's your trip, bro? Listen, there's a very popular teaching that has been, gone, it's been, it's been taught for years upon years, centuries upon centuries, still today. Here's the, here's the popular teaching, right? The teaching is you should never be sick. If Jesus loves you, you should never be sick. You should never be poor. And they preach that Christians should never get cancer or even get the flu. And when you get the flu, you'll have people in this popular teaching say, don't claim that sickness. You go, you're going to work, and you're like, I don't feel good. Don't say that. You're not sick. And you're like, but I am. Right? And their popular teaching is that if Jesus loves you, you should never be sick. Okay? We call it the health and wealth gospel. Right? And so that's going around, right? But here, the Word of God, we see something different. Why? Look at it again. It says, the what? They're saying, behold, he whom you love, okay? You guys see that in your Bible? Circle that word because it's the Greek word phileo, phileo, okay? It means he had an affectionate brotherly love for him. He loved him. It was like, man, that's my, that's my, that's me and Lazarus. We're tight, man. We're BFF. I love him. Lord, the one that you love, he's sick. Jesus loves him. Listen, guys, Jesus loves Lazarus very much, and yet we still see him what? Sick and dying. Sick and dying. Let me give you a side note. 
Jesus will raise Lazarus from the grave for the glory of God, but eventually Lazarus will die again. We have to be so careful and study God's word. See, Jesus loves you very, very, very much, but that doesn't mean you will never be sick or you will never be tired. What it means to you is that Jesus loves you and he will walk with you in any circumstance of your life. Be careful with popular teachings. Be careful. The Bible tells us that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. The rain continues to fall. So so that doesn't mean Jesus doesn't love you. You've heard that before, right? Well, listen, if you're sick, you know, what did you do? What kind of sin? And, and, and they equate it all the, all the way through. It's like, no, 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 Jesus loves you. And, and, and here's what I said, right? No doubt, guys, that Jesus, Jesus, loved, Jesus loved Ray's mother. No doubt. And sometimes so much so that he says, listen, I'm not going to have you struggle with years upon years with, with pancreatic cancer. Why don't you just come home? Why don't you just come home? Now, it's difficult for us, but it's wonderful for those who know the Lord. So they, they call out to Jesus. Look at verse 7 or verse 4. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sisters and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick... He stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he and disciples said, let us go to Judea again. Now, again, this just blows my mind. Doesn't it blow your mind? And you go, why? Jesus learns that his BFF is sick and he's dying and he stays in Perea two more days. In John chapter 10, you guys remember, they picked up stones to stone him and he goes through and he goes and he leaves and he goes to minister in a place called Perea, right? And that's where he is. They know where he's at, so they send him and say, Jesus, the one who loves us, died, come back. And he's like, all right, it's not unto death, but for the glory of God. Let's hang out here a couple more days. Now, listen, if you were, if you were wanting, if you were wanting, if you're, somebody you loved was so sick that you needed a doctor, you want that doctor today. Uh, when can you get here? Well, I can't get here for two days. No, 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 no. You didn't hear me. Now. I need you, right? Isn't it crazy? Isn't it crazy in our medical world when you, when you uh, are really needing an appointment with the doctor? They're like, you need to see your doctor. And you go, yeah, our next available appointment is like in September. You're like, no, I can't wait. Till I could die. You know, I need to find somebody else. And, 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 but Jesus says, no, I'm going to wait two more days. I'm going to wait two more days. And this trips me out, Right? But I want you to see verse 5 real quick, guys. It says, now, Jesus, what does he say? Loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, right? Now, he employs a different word. This is the word agape, agapeo, right? They're saying, Jesus, you affectionately love my brother, but the Bible says, Jesus, agapeo, right? This is a divine, unconditional love. Okay, do you see that in verse 5? Now, Jesus agapeoed Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. Look at verse 6. It says, so. New King James Version says, so. Old King James Version, could, you could render in, therefore. Therefore. And you go, what's he saying? 
Think about what he just wrote. Jesus loved a divine love to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Therefore, when he heard he was sick, he stayed two more days. <laughs> Why? That's the question we got to ask. Why, Lord? Because in order for all to believe, Jesus needed to resurrect Lazarus, not simply resuscitate him. You know what? There's a good there's a good little nugget of truth here, guys. Sometimes we have in our brains how God should work from point A to point B. And God's going, no, 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 you don't see the big picture. For the glory of God, I'm going to stay here two more days. Think about it. We're his disciples. We're hanging out with him, right? We know that they want to kill us back in Judea. We know in Jerusalem they want to kill us. And so we're hanging out with Jesus, and then we come and go, Jesus, your best friend, Lazarus, oh, Lazarus, let's stay here a couple more days. Wouldn't we be like, listen, like me and Jeremy are talking over here. Jesus, Jesus is away. That's crazy, Jeremy. Why are we staying here two days? Well, I don't know about you, but I don't want to go back because I'm going to be killed. But poor Lazarus, he's going to die. Oh, but I've seen Jesus just speak the word, so I ain't tripping, right? Jesus can speak the word and Lazarus could be fine. We're cool. Let's just hang out here. He stayed two more days, but Jesus has a plan, okay? Jesus has a plan. So it affects Lazarus, it affects Mary and Martha, but it also affects his disciples. That's the third group, guys. Look at, look at what verse 7 says, that Jesus told his disciples, okay, let's go back to the place where they want to kill me. You go, I didn't see that. Yeah, look at verse 7 again. After this, he said to the disciples, okay, let us go to Judea again, okay? So if you're a disciple, you're going, time out, hold the phone Last time we were there, Lord, they picked up some rocks to kill you. And like we were here and like we're not going to let you die or we might be in, in, in the line of fire. Nonetheless, we're followers of you. So what's up? What's really going on here, Lord? What's, what's really? I mean, that's exactly what's going on, right? Let's go back to the place where they want to kill me. Here's a good nugget of truth, guys, and I want you to write this down. For you and I as disciples, we might go, I'm with you, Lord. I'll die for you. But the real question is, are you willing to live for him? Are you willing? If Jesus said, hey, let's go back to the place where we're trying to kill us, we'd be like, amen, let's go. I'll die with you. Let's go. But the harder question is, are you willing to live for him day in and day out? Are you willing to lay down your selfish ways for the glory of God? Well, what did the disciples say to him? They're being affected by this, right? The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and, you're go- and you are going there. <laughs> Notice it didn't say, and we're going to go. He's like, Jesus, you going to go? You're, you're going, man. Hey, <laughs> we'll, we'll... listen, listen, just send us a text. Shoot me a Snapchat when you're done, but we'll be here. Because that's what they're saying. Notice, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and you're going there again? And Jesus answered, he said, are there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Okay, to the Hebrews, every day was arranged, right, around the period of daylight, right, and a period of night. 
what Jesus was saying is really simple. He says, don't you realize that a day can't finish until it's over with? You go, okay, what does that mean? God says that he has prescribed the bounds of my life. By all your concern for my safety, you can't lengthen it. For the same reason, the rejection of the Jews' leaders can't shorten it. What's he saying is that God knows that from this day to this day, this is your life, and nothing can happen unless that is the end of your life. You guys with me? So when you get on an airplane, okay, and somebody tells you, be careful, that's kind of silly. And you go, why? Because what Jesus said is that, listen, if that's the time, your prescribed time to go home, that's no, you, listen, you're not going to go one day before this, and you're not going to go one day after this. If that is the day, that's the day. And I don't care. And then they say, put on the seatbelt, and that little seatbelt ain't going to hold you when you're 30,000 feet in the air. But they make sure, buckle your seatbelts. Here's what I love about this. Our core values at Calvary Chapel is to love God first, love people, and to live radically. See, to live radically part is to live for God because he knows the day you're gonna, you were born and he knows the day you're going to go home. Not a day, not a minute before that, not a minute after that. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, this ain't going to happen, right? Look at verse 11. These things he said after that, he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up, right? Well, what did you guys hear? Well, if he's sleeping, look what the disciples said. Lord, if he sleeps, he's going to get well, okay? However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about him taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus said plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe Nevertheless, let us go to him, okay? Here's really important, right? They thought, oh, Lazarus is sleeping, and when you sleep, you get better because that's the body's way of healing. And, and Jesus is like, oy vey, guys, listen to me. He's dead, and I'm glad. Now I'm going, whoa, 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 whoa. The first thing that pops out, right, for me, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's what's going to happen. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Here's what I want you to see. Lazarus is sleeping because his physical body is dead, right? The real him is very much alive. Now, we had this discussion last week. Where is Lazarus going? Okay, I was talking to someone in the foyer, and he's going to a place right now called Abraham's bosom, okay? What happens is that Hades and Abraham's bosoms are two compartments, when you died believing in Jesus, now obviously Lazarus did, I mean, this was, this was the Messiah, he went to a place called Abraham's bosom. You go, well, you mean he didn't go to heaven? He didn't go to heaven yet. Those who didn't believe in Jesus go to the other side called Hades, sometimes known as hell. You're like, oh, two compartments, okay? Big gulf in between them. So Lazarus goes here. He probably runs into his other friend named Lazarus, who used to be a beggar. How do you know that? Luke 16, right? Lazarus, I mean, the rich man is going, hey, send Lazarus, ah, give me a dip of water on my tongue. I'm tormented in these flames. 
So you got Lazarus and Lazarus, he's hanging out with them. When does Lazarus actually get to go to heaven? Well, he's going to leave Abraham's bosom and be resurrected. But when Jesus, now listen, when Jesus dies on the cross, okay, he goes to Abraham's bosom. That's where they say, and he descended. And he says, hey, guys, remember you believed in me? And everybody's like, Jesus, yay! And he says, and he led captivity captive, and he took him back to heaven. What that means for you and I is that as believers, we don't go to Abraham's bosom. It's empty. We go straight to heaven, wherever, wherever the Lord is, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. What happens to people who don't believe? They continue to go to a place called Hades, tormented in flames. At the end of the world, if you will, at the end of the judgment, Jesus is going to take Hades. He's going to bring them. He's going to bring them before the great white judgment. And then he's going to cast all of that into the lake of fire. Whole different scenario, revelation. Lazarus goes there. But Jesus says, I'm glad. Now, why would Jesus be glad that his BFF died? Here's why. He was glad for our sakes. And here's why. Listen, guys, because each one of us is going to walk through a storm in our life. And he says, but the purpose of this story is so that we would have that we would have strength in our faith. Strength in our faith. Well, what do you mean, Ben? Now, now listen, it doesn't mean that life gets any easier when a loved one dies. But it means that we have the foundation to know that, okay, I can walk through this and then I will see them again. Now, let's close with verse 16, okay? Verse 16, don't you, gotta, don't you just love the guy Thomas? Right? Look at verse 16. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go also that we may die with him. Okay? And you go, well, Ben, why do you love? Well, first and foremost, guys, Thomas is, this is funny. Why? Because I think Thomas is the Eeyore of the disciples. You go, what do you mean? Listen to what he says. Let us go that we may die with him. Right? He's not exactly thrilled. He's just like, okay, we'll go. The Bible also calls him a twin, but it's interesting. We never know who his twin is. But you know what he's really famous for? Help me. He's known as Doubting Thomas. Do you guys remember that? Because Thomas wasn't there in the resurrection, and he's like, hey, I don't believe it. I doubt that. No, Well, no, Jesus is alive. Unless I put my finger in his side and in his hands, I won't believe, right? So all through eternity, he's known as what? Doubting Thomas, but right here, he's actually devoted Thomas. He's going, Lord, if you're going to go, let's go with you. Let's go. We'll go with you. We'll go die with you. We'll go die with you. He's very devoted. Now, why do you love, what do you love about Thomas? What do you love, guys? Here's what I love, right? None of the other disciples said, let's go with him so that we can die with him. Right? Thomas says, let's go. Let's go. Here's what I love about Thomas, right? First and foremost, these are some good qualities. Ready? He's loyal. He's loyal. Lord, we'll go with you. We'll go with you. That's, that's when you know that you really surrender to Jesus. It's when your loyalty far exceeds anything that you would ever be loyal to. The second thing I love about, about Thomas is that he's courageous. He's courageous. He's not thinking about the stones that they had picked up. He knows that it could be death, but he's like, Lord, I'm with you. Here's what I love about us, guys. 
here's, here's, what I want, here, here's what I want our church to be. You guys remember when Peter got out of the boat to walk on the water? All the other disciples stayed in the boat. Peter got it and said, Lord, if that's you, I want to come to you. I want us to be courageous enough to get out of the boat and see what God has for us. All we have is this one life. And we have to make it the very, very, very best. But we want to be courageous. Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Lord, I don't want to live 50, 60, 70, 80 years, then die. I want to get out of the boat. I want to see what you have for me. I want to get out of the boat. What is it? What is it? Last but not least, guys, here's what I love about Thomas. You ready? He's honest. He's honest to the Lord. Why? A few chapters later, John 14, you remember Jesus is saying, I'm going to go home. I'm going to prepare a place for you. This is going to be amazing. And he looks at the disciples and he says, and you guys know the way. He says, you guys know the way. You know how to get there. And Thomas raises his hand. He goes, I don't know what you're talking about. Right? I'm sure all the other disciples were like, we don't have a clue, but we're not going to say anything because we don't want to look dumb. Thomas is like, I don't know how you're going. I don't even know how to get there. And I love that he's honest, guys, because I think that's so important in our walks with God is that we're honest. And sometimes you go, Lord, I don't understand. Lord, I'm frustrated. Lord, I'm tired. Lord, I'm... And the Lord goes, thank you for being honest. Because when we think we're Christians, guys, and we think we have it all together for the sake of somebody else, oh, man, yeah, 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 yeah. No worries, yeah. How you doing? Praise the Lord, brother, doing great. But inside you're a wreck? Who are we fooling? We're not fooling God. Thomas is like, listen, I'm just going to shoot straight with you. I'm going to shoot straight with you. I don't know where we're going. I don't know how to get there. Thomas, you've been with me so long, and you're still asking, ah, yeah, Lord, sorry. Honesty. When it comes to your relationships with the Lord, you need to be honest. God, I, I'm a wreck. I'm a mess. Thank you that you love messes. And pray your spirit would restore me. Guys, we'll pick up our story in verse 17, and we'll see how the rest of it affects the family friends. We'll see how the glory of God affects the acquaintances. Wow, this is crazy. The curiosity, looky-loos. And then we'll finally end up at verse 57, where we'll see how it affects Jesus, Jesus himself. Amen. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Your wonderful word. We love you, God. We bless you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. 
May God richly bless you 